Hello and welcome to Film Logic, a podcast about the past, present, and future of film and every fandom in between. We are part of the Retro Logic Podcast Network, which includes hot bangers like Retro Logic, On Topic Retro, Retro Groove, but we also have a Discord community full of wonderful people that want to talk geeky things with you. And here is my one and only co-host today, Adam. <laughs> it's me, Adam. Adam, my question for you today, when is it time to use the nuclear option? <laughs> well, um, that's what my stomach says to me every time we have Taco Bell. So, <laughs> Yes, I was hoping you'd go to a toilet joke. <laughs> I mean, you gotta, right? Yeah, really. Nuclear option? Come on. It's it's written in the stars. It, it writes itself, you know? Um, but mm-hmm. Because, you know, the alternative is too sad. Right. No one wants to talk about real nuclear stuff. No, 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 no. It's, you know, it's Taco Bell, it's Arby's, you know, it's... For me, it's, it's KFC. Ooh, uh, that's <laughs> a good one. Waffle House? Um, for, for my uh, two-year-old son, it's eating four or five French fries. <laughs> um, one time coming back from retreat, I swear I ate like a pound and a half of dried cranberries. That wasn't a great morning. Um, yeah, no, all <laughs> nuclear options. Yes. Ah, uh, reminds me. Reminds me of when we did that other podcast where... Uh, I combined, like, a spicy sausage with a spicy flaming Cheetos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I what? can't even explain what that did to me. <laughs> Why did that, we do that? Did you that, lose something? We had the snack of the day or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like a, a Bahama Mama or something. I remember yeah. that. It was those fiery Cheetos and something that should not have gone with it. <laughs> And uh, uh, yeah, that that whatever happened to me broke time and space. <laughs> All great moments uh, to go nuclear, full nuclear. Yeah. Welcome to Poop Logic, a podcast about. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do in the bathroom. <laughs> Look, when you're working with me, you're gonna go there. Hey, we're working blue tonight. Yeah, or blue. Or- or should I say brown? Yes. <laughs> Speaking uh, of uh, blue, we're sad because Eston couldn't be here. Yeah. Um, word on the street is he watched that one scene from uh, uh, White Chicks and he laughed so hard his tongue fell off. <laughs> which uh, I think they sewed it back on, but like now he's recovering. Yeah. Yeah. I. I heard that he tried to drink uh, a Diet Pepsi while eating Mentos, and it just exploded in his mouth. Yeah, and yeah that checks out. Back up. Our thoughts and prayers are with you, Eston. Yes, always. But without Eston here, it changes the shape of our show. You notice mm. we don't have a skit. Yeah. And we're also not going to be talking. 
about uh, Love Actually. Yeah, which, I'm so sad. I know. We, we got to save it for Aston. But I do have a funny story about Love Actually. Mm. So, after I was told that the R-rated parts would be harmless, easy to digest, I said, okay, I'm going to drop my son off at uh, his soccer game and sit in the parking lot at this youth soccer practice field and just watch this movie. So um, I'm watching the movie and it gets to like the third nude scene, which is very, very steamy. Yes. And I'm slamming my phone to go 15 seconds ahead. Right. Because, you know, I'm in a, like a, a teenager parking lot. And yeah. God forbid. <laughs> and of course, my phone freezes. <laughs> so, sure, it did, Mike. The worst thing that could happen. The nuclear I'm watching option. Love Actually, and there was no love, actually. <laughs> no love lost. Mm-hmm. So that's my story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah, I, I don't know forgotten about that because i'd seen it i guess i don't know maybe you know what i think i saw the tv i saw it on tv that might be why i think Aston did too um because no one seems to remember uh martin freeman and another actress being uh stunt doubles for probably an adult film (laughs) and yeah that definitely would not make the censors yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, just like how most youth leaders don't remember the bad parts in '80s films. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah, that's just fine. And then they show Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> Yikes! Always it's or uh, Spaceballs. Yes. <laughs> and then they're like, fast forward, fast forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um one time I uh cuz I went to a, a nice fancy suburban school um and if you took French long enough you got to go on a trip to Quebec uh Quebec yes. City and um while we were, you know, hours on end and uh somebody convinced a teacher to okay us watching Spaceballs. <laughs> Oh. And um, they let us watch the whole thing, which I was shocked about. But I uh, I knew it was coming. <laughs> yes. And let uh. me just say, not everyone had their parent permission slip signed. <laughs> That's good. Rick Moranis, you dirty man. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But, I mean, that feels like a rite of passage, though, growing up, right? Like, everyone's experienced Mm -hmm. that. You know, dad is, you know, in charge of dinner because mom's out of town. And Mm -hmm. he's like, oh, you know what movie I saw that's really great? Gladiator. And you're, like, eight years old. And you're like, what's Gladiator? (laughs) And then you're traumatized. Oh, you know, it's a PG film about a man rising to the ranks, sparring through the arena. Right, right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Same thing with, like, uh, Airplane. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, mm-hmm. that movie's PG, but it's not PG. <laughs> you, everybody remembers 
like the clean and funny and clever jokes. Right. But not the straight up nudity that just happens out of nowhere. Right. For no reason. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> yeah. That's what they remember. As they should. Mm-hmm. The same with Back to the Future. Oh, like, yeah. Everyone thinks that movie's squeaky clean. Nope. Until they hear a few S-bombs and other stuff. Right. Well, speaking of squeaky clean, <laughs> what have we been watching over the last week? I I know, Adam, that y- you saw something that's actually going to keep our podcast relevant. Would you like right. to talk about that? Well, I saw a couple of things that will keep us relevant. I saw uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, which just mm-hmm. came out on Netflix. Very good. It's getting some Oscar buzz, um, as it should. Um, very beautifully shot. Um, Pretty faithful to the book. Uh, the guy that plays uh, Baron Zemo in uh, the Captain America movies plays uh, one of the one of the protagonists in uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. It's good. The English dub is okay. You're better off watching it in German with uh, English subtitles. I'll just say that. But it's very good. Um, and then I also saw Ant-Man and the quantum mania and i i mean the kindest thing i can say about it is it's a very marvel movie Mm -hmm. um yeah and uh kang the conqueror is a is a bright spot and it's it's just such a shame it feels like all these marvel movies keep coming out with these incredible villains and they're just they just outclass everybody else on screen. And you're like, why am I rooting for this down-on-his-luck, ho-hum, you know, dad? <laughs> <laughs> when King the Conqueror says incredible lines like, you know, in response to saying, you killed trillions of people. And he says, I wish it mattered. And you're just like, that's, he's so cool. This guy is way better than Ant-Man. I'm rooting for this guy. Oh, man. And, and you know, it's just, it's, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. um, someone, someone needs to come out with a psychology paper on Marvel fatigue. Where yeah. by, the, by the fifth movie, you see Paul Rudd. Like, right. you just... You just don't care about him. Or, you know, Steve Rogers, the fifth time you see him, you're like, ah, you know. <laughs> and that's why you're, you're, so, you're so into the villain. You're like, yeah, I'm right behind you, Thanos. Half the population of the universe? Do it, yeah, buddy. D- please, please do. These, these like, guys are boring me. <laughs> right. You know, you're watching Black Panther, and you're like, you know, this Namor guy has got a point. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Michael B. Jordan, you should be king. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, I... You know, I, I, I wouldn't say don't go see it, um, especially if you're a big Marvel fan. Um, you know, it fits right in the universe, but, you know, I, I really do think that when, when the Marvel movies are good is when they go against type. Um, you know, you think of, you know, Thor Ragnarok, you know, you think Captain America, Winter Soldier, you know, these movies that, you know, go against the, uh, the you know, the Marvel formula. Um, mm-hmm. But when it kind of, like, comes back to formula, or in the case of 
Thor Love and Thunder, where it like continues kind of the, the formula, <laughs> it, it kind of just gets stale real quick. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it's it is what it is. And yeah. I I was I was leaving the theater. So I, I regularly see a lot of these Marvel movies with um the same group of friends. And I mean I think besides maybe Black Panther, um, I've walked out of and Chong Chi for sure. But mm-hmm. I, I've walked out of a, a lot of them with them. They're just like, why do you keep watching these if they keep making you sad? And I'm like, at this point, I've committed so much time and effort and money into this franchise. I have to see it. Right. Marvel is genius. Like, they're the first movie company to own our attention. They don't have to impress us. We have to impress them. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, not even Star Wars is that, you know, is that arrogant. Um, Yeah, Marvel's like, you owe us. (laughs) You have to watch. (laughs) You have to watch all 47 episodes of these eight different TV shows, and that's just this year. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Otherwise, you can't belong to society. Right. Oh, man, I hate it. I've been trying to psych myself up to get back on the Marvel train, and it goes as far back as watching Eternals, <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder, and then I probably have to swing by and do uh, Captain America and Falcon. Yeah. I, I mean... It, it seems so hard. It is so hard. And what's what makes it even worse is every once in a while, they'll drop an absolute gem like Loki or Chang-Chi or something, and you're like, oh, man, this is kind of giving me some hope, you know? And then, you know, you get Ant-Man and Quantumania. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's like Doritos. The first chip is amazing. Uh, right. Uh, welcome to your day. Mm. And then, like, by the eighth bag... <laughs> You're, you're like, I hate myself. Why am I doing this? <laughs> That's such a good analogy. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and and I don't I, like any like any bad relationship. I just don't see an end in sight either. Because like, I I have to see Secret War with Samuel L. Jackson. Like, I I have to see Blade when it comes out with Mahershala Ali. Like, I have to, like, I'm invested, and I hate myself for it. You owe them, yes. <laughs> I, I really do. You know, you um, could just go on Amazon Prime and watch, you know, in- Invincible. Right. And be done with it. But right. No. Well, I'm, but even that, like, I'm, you know, the, the, the genre of, like, the uh, the superhero genre flipped on its head is kind of even boring me too, like Invincible or The Boys, or mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's just like, um, you know, the, the Watchmen did it better; they did it first, and right. but Absolutely. still, it's just I don't know. It, it'll be it'll be interesting to see because like for a while Hollywood was just obsessed with zombies, and now it's starting to kind of come back now with The Walking Dead, even though they're not zombies, or The Walking Dead, sorry, uh, The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. But it it definitely feels like superheroes is the next cycle that's slowly starting to die in Hollywood, so we'll see what comes next. Yeah, uh, like, I kept telling myself, this is going to end, you know, the new thing's coming. 
a new, you know, Star Wars ended and a new thing replaced it. Right. Um, superheroes, I'm, I'm looking at other genres. I'm like, Westerns, do you want to get on this? <laughs> yeah, you know, mermaids? You want to? <laughs> Come on, someone. Someone take this throne. Right. Please. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, speaking of things else? that are dis- um, man, yeah, I, yeah, that's the, those are the the two big highlights. All quiet on the Western Front. Uh, yeah, Quantum Mania. Uh, that's pretty much it. I I saw a trailer actually for uh the new Pixar movie coming out. Um, I think it's called Elemental. Oh yeah, yeah. It, that looks pretty good. Yeah, Elemental. It looks it, it looks like a speaking of love stories. It seems kind of like a you know, uh, opposites attract. There's a, a, f- a female fire person and a, nice. a, a goofy, funny water person. They kind of have a, a meet cute on a, a subway, and then they it seems like it'll be a, a good love story. So I'm, I'm, I mean, Pixar always delivers. So um, yeah, I, I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's another fandom I'm behind. You know, they keep doing the made for streaming. Movies that don't make it to theater, and I'm like, oh man, I gotta watch that. There's right. That, there's that Asian Pacific princess. I gotta see that. I gotta. Right. Right. You know. And I know this this one coming up is directed by uh, Peter Sohn, who did um, Lightyear and Ratatouille and um, Monsters University. So I'm uh, I, I have pretty high hopes for this. And Luca. Luca was good. Mm. Yeah, I gotta see Luca. <laughs> you haven't seen Luca yet? It's pretty good. Uh, man, the, if I tried to catch up on everything that was relevant, I'd have no time to watch the these horrible things that I saw over the, <laughs> the last week, <laughs> which is a great segue. Yeah, I saw... I, I have some opinions on the last one on your list there, but oh I'll, my let you, gosh. I'll let you get into it. I have opinions, too. <laughs> okay. So apparently, uh, the horror book, The Turning of the Screw, a classic. Right. Um, they made a movie in 2018, 2000, no, 2020. Okay. And it has Finn Wolfhard or Wolf Finn Harder, Hard Whatever. Finn Wolf from Stranger <laughs> Things. And he's in it and no one else I recognize. But basically, the movie starts with, like, this very simple premise of a nanny going into this house and uncovering that it has, like, this wicked history and ghosts are haunting it. And you're like, okay, I'm set for the ride. And then, like, the last three minutes, they're like, nope, she's actually crazy. Or is she? But they they do it in such a breakneck way that you're like, what? What what was that? What did I just see? And then it's like credits, and you're like, "What?" Uh, ugh. So, um, and it's actually the turning. The later in the year, you know, the haunting of Bly Manor. Yeah, that's the turning of the screw, also adapted from the book, which oh. apparently blew away the movie, made the movie look so dumb in comparison. <laughs> Well, I mean, considering I heard I've heard of the second one and not the first one, I say, yeah, they they definitely yeah. did that. You know, as a kid actor, 
you know, you're in a you're in a hot commodity like Stranger Things, and then Hollywood snatches you up and they put you in something. It just kind of fizzles out. Yeah, it happened with the uh, with Eleven too. She was in things that didn't really go that far. Yeah, I mean, I think the only, I mean, she was in Godzilla, right? The the new one. Yeah, Enola Holmes. Enola was that Holmes. any good? I mean, they made a second one. Yeah. They shouldn't make a second turning. Mm-hmm. So, moving on, Wolfpack was the, mm. uh, it's a Paramount Plus exclusive about teenagers, hot, young, insecure teenagers <laughs> who get uh, destroyed by wolves and get wolf powers. As you do. And, uh, I mean, the CGI looked, it looked like jello, all the blood. <laughs> um, the acting was kind of cheesy. Uh, you know, the story always goes to teenagers hooking up, you know, AKA the one guy in alternative lifestyle hooking up. Mm. And it, it just kind of had this MTV layer of like, like, bruh, we're in a we're in a wolf movie, uh, you know, wolf series, right? So, you know, I gave it a chance because it had Sarah Michelle Geller in it, and, right? Right. But in the first episode, basically, all she does is call people and ask questions, like, "Did you start the fire? You know, are you a wolf? Okay, so." You know, it wasn't really that good. Yeah, I um, I've seen uh, I've seen the memes making fun of it. So it, it's uh, not worthy of memes. It's so meh. You know, it's it's forgettable. Yeah, and I, I think that that's the like if you're gonna make a movie or a show about werewolves or like supernatural beings. The last thing you want is to be forgettable. Yeah. And I feel like it it's such a shame because it feels like a lot of those kind of like supernatural esque shows the last couple that have come out have just been like not have not been hitting the mark. Like um Yeah. Like the most recent uh Hellboy was just real forgettable. Like I don't know. The- Still have dreams about Remembering that I saw that movie. Yeah, I think we saw that together, didn't we? Yeah, you had to wake me up and tell me what happened. <laughs> yeah, I. Really bad. I think I, I think there were some nukes involved. I'm not sure. Yeah, nuclear <laughs> option. Yeah, it was it was it was not great. Um, yeah, but it's it's such a such a shame because it's like how like how can you take something that's supernatural and make it so boring? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's Nickelodeon acting on an MTV plot with Sci-Fi Channel uh, like graphics. <laughs> so, and Sarah Michelle Gellar really needs Josh Whedon to yeah. make you believe that it was Buffy, right? So. After Wolfpack, I switched over to Carnival Row because I wanted to see what Orlando Bloom was up to. Right, as you do. Yeah. And that had, 
like that. Sh- for those who are not familiar with the show, it's a prime exclus- exclusive. Mm. It's about these fairy people that are forced to migrate to the land of humans, and they're you know they're very persecuted and you know kind of ripped off of today's headlines about migrants. And uh, Orlando Bloom is like an inspector that kind of sympathizes with them and helps them solve crimes. And there's an over, there's an underarching story about this kind of Cthulhu-like evil that's coming that is probably caused caused by the fairy people. Um, and it's got kind of a steampunkish type feel to it as well, Victorian punk. I think Victorian punk is a thing. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. But you know, I wanted to go along for the ride, but like, my gosh, there's a lot of sex in that show. Like, I really think that Prime likes to buy, you know, scripts from a softcore company and just tells them to add actors and, you know, a few fight scenes. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, it won't be making its rotation. Yikes. It actually made me think Love Actually was kind of decent. Okay, Mike, and now for the the main event, one that I'm very upset about too. Mm-hmm. They, it's Halo, right? Halo, it's Halo, Halo is they they redid the whole story, so there's mm. there's nothing that kind of relates to the game, right. or that's at least the feel I got. Especially for those who played Halo Reach. The story of Cortana is so different in the show. Yeah, it's not even it's not even close. Okay, that's what I thought. Like, I don't understand the story of Halo when I'm playing the games, and I kind of understand the show, the Halo show. Right. But like, even I know that like the person who wrote it did not play the games. <laughs> right, and like, I just have so many questions about story choices. Like, first and foremost, why does Chief keep taking off his helmet? I th- like... I, I actually have an answer for that. I can imagine the execs meeting together, right? Mm-hmm. And they're they're like... He, he kind of looks like the actor from The Punisher, right? We gotta exploit it. The John Bernathal. Yeah, We gotta exploit... Yeah, how amazing he looks and how close he looks to him. Um, and that's kind of their consensus. Right. I didn't mind that so much because I kind of like that guy's vibe. Sure. And and I, I, I get that. But, like, when you've played the games from, like, Halo to Halo 2... Halo 3, and then finally in Halo 4, when he gets he's getting his Mjolnir armor taken off him, you're like, wow, like, I guess I really haven't thought about you know, besides maybe at the end of Halo 3, where he kind of like takes his helmet off, and we kind of you know, you know, you don't really think about the man inside the armor, because yeah. really, that's like because the armor is like a metaphor, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. it's an outward expression of 
you know, John's inner, like, toughness, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, wow, like, this is so cool. But when they, like, cheapen it like that, and they just, like, he, you know, he's... Mm-hmm. It feels like he's... There's more action sequences in the show of him without his armor than there are of him running through a battlefield and just shooting stuff. Yeah, I you know, I got that as well. And I kind of feel like Paramount was, like, so afraid that people were going to say that they're just ripping off the Mandalorian. Right. They, they're kind of like, no, no, he shows his face. Right. But the whole metaphor for Halo is that, like, the Master Chief doesn't deserve to look human because he's a product of the military complex. Right, right. You know, he's just a soldier. Government issue. Yeah. And, and go ahead. I was just going to say. Is in the game? Do they like? Does everyone hate like the military complex? Because that seems to be the consensus in the show. Is that like you know every commoner when they're talking about the military saving them from aliens, they always like spit and say, "Oh, those jerks." <laughs> well, I, and I, I think it it depends. So, like in the canon, I think in the books and stuff, it goes more in depth. But the Spartan program was originally designed to like crush like uh like rebellions on colony planets uh but then kind of the the covenant come and start glassing planets so then they kind of mm-hmm. get redirected towards that and mm-hmm. i i mean i don't know it's complicated i i think it i think it depends like i think if you're from earth you're, you're like yeah but if you're a colony you're like boo but you know <laughs> It's complicated. <laughs> yeah. But I I mean for the other thing for me is just like who is this random human lady person that's just with the covenant and she's like some I and I still don't fully understand. She's like some kind of prophet? I don't yeah. know. She's a turncoat human who Right. You know what? I think they they saw Thanos you know, take Gamora under their wing. Right. And they saw, like, the clothing line in Dune. <laughs> and they said, yep, we got it. Let's do that. Yeah. Oh, man. And, I don't know, it's it's just such a shame. And, like, and I think that's kind of what's failed. Why people will say that, like, video game adaptations always fail it's because the people that make these movies and TV shows just have no fundamental understanding of their source material. And the ones that are successful, mm-hmm. like the first two seasons of The Witcher, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, Detective Pikachu, or, um, you know, hopefully coming up with this Mario movie, but, um, or like in Free Guy, where they have just a fundamental understanding of the, the genre, and they they pay respect to, um, you know, you can get a TV series like The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think it has to be a shot-for-shot remake. I think you can take liberties with it. But when you don't respect the source material, you know, it, you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to turn off your, your, your audience. Yeah. So the one I didn't mention was... I finally got around to seeing the last episode of Invincible. Mm. And I kind of know the story about that. 
about the tension between Mark and his dad, Omni-Man, and how it comes to the finale. Right. And, you know, I really appreciated how much I liked that episode better than all those things I had watched previously. (laughs) Right, because it's it's a payoff. You know, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a payoff of a season long, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, character development. And, you know, you, you, you kind of, you, you see the, what the true purpose of the, the, what are they called? The, the Viltrumites. I don't know how to say Viltrumite. Viltrumite. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, it's. You know, it, yeah, you just, there's just so much payoff. And, um, yeah, it, it's great. And the, that second season's coming out pretty soon, right? Yeah. And, oh. you know, J.K. Simmons just yes. is incredible. Yes. A lot of great voice actors. And it just proves my point that you can have an animated universe in the superhero realm and it could mean something. Right, for sure. Well, for enough sure. nerd talk. Let's <laughs> play a game. Uh-oh. A game where we have to make up nerd stories. Alright. So, this is Plot the Fake. Um, I'll give you a made-up rom-com movie provided by our Discord community, which was more than happy to uh, shovel these fake titles at us. Yes. Um... And since we don't have Aston here to play against, you're going to have to play against me. Okay, okay. And you can just give me a score <laughs> on how you think mine. I'll give you a score based on what I think about yours. Beautiful. Uh, Adam, I'm going to start off strong, so I'm going to ask you to go first. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, the movie that you have to give me a plot pitch for is Whoopsie Daisy. Oh man, uh, Florence Pugh and uh, <laughs> and uh, Ryan Gosling are uh, their rival florists in a small town, and they have to work together to put on the best Arbor Day the town has ever seen to save their town from getting bought out by big corporation TM. And uh, they end up saving their town and falling in love. Whoopsie daisy. Right, Adam. Pick one title. Give it to me, and I'll give you the the pitch. Oh wait, I gotta I gotta review yours. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, rival Flores, never been done before. Florence Pugh, she's pretty hot in the you know in the film career way. <laughs> um, let's see. You know, I'm gonna give it a solid seven. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Um, I would love for you to tell me um, all about the gentleness assassin. The gentleness assassin <laughs> is um, a title Yeah. for... Um, so there's this dorm, this college dorm, and there's this one guy who can literally, like, he can kill you with gentleness and kindness. <laughs> but not in that violent way. Mm. I mean that he can go up to girls and he can be so polite that they want to marry him. 
Meanwhile, you have this gruff ex MMA fighter, right? Uh, played by Kevin James, um, and he is just so like out of sorts with girls that, like, you know, he goes up to them and says, you know, ah, you know, I, I smell bad, and just like scares them away. <laughs> so he needs to learn the art of the gentleness assassin, and you know he. By the end of the movie, he's like gripping teacups with raising his pinky. Mm. You know, he grows like a British accent. And, you know, he gets the girl. The girl of his dreams. Yeah. Um, man, I love that pitch. I think it's I think it's original. Um, it, it, it does kind of uh, give me kind of like the reverse of crazy stupid love. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that, but it's yes. uh <laughs> but it's kind of like the opposite <laughs> whereas like instead of like this womanizer kind of teaching the, you know, the the soft soaking nice guy, it's like the nice guy kind of flips the uh, you know, the the alpha male guy. So I I like that. You know what? I think it'll do numbers, Mike, given the right <laughs> cast. Um because you did give me a cast you know, I, I'll dock it a little bit. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a seven point three. But if you give me a solid cast, I think we can get some real numbers. I think we can get that to an eight. All right. Good, good. I'm still in the game. Still right. in the game. Adam, tell me about this movie that you've been working on called Tropical Love Storm. <laughs> Man, I would love to tell you all about. Uh, tropical love storm. Uh, this is your, um, you know, this is a, a Pixar movie, um, and it's about uh, a um, a literal, you know, tropical storm. <laughs> you know, he's 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 trying. You know, ever since he was a kid, he wants to be, you know, a, a hurricane like his dad, and. <laughs> um, but you know he you know he has some adversity growing up, you know he gets picked on by you know his his classmates and stuff, but you know one day he just he meets the right body of water um and you know she just warms him right up, you know gets his <laughs> gets his winds up to you know a category five, and you know he hits Florida. And um, he gets to live out his dream of being a tropical love storm. Ah, oh, you know there are tears in my eyes. You cannot see them. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And you know, ironically, because it is a Disney Pixar movie, the the tropical love storm is going to destroy Disney Pixar because it's in Florida. You know, it's a mm-hmm. real it's a real breaking the fourth wall. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, just like the end of She-Hulk, where she visits literal Marvel Studios. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? You hit the inanimate object making people cry. Yeah. So that's a solid nine. Yeah, you know, that's, the, the plot doesn't even have to make sense. It's just going to put butts in seats. Yep. Uh, Mike, I am so excited to hear about Rendezvous is Hard to Spell. Well, this is actually kind of like my uh, James Bond spinoff. Oh. 
but it's with a PG rating, and it's about okay. a, a, you know, a playful, playful dating relationship. Um, we're bringing back Pierce Brosnan. Okay. Uh, fresh off of GoldenEye. <laughs> and, you know, Q um, and M tell him that he he needs to woo a girl from the the American embassy in London. Mm-hmm. But she's kind of a klutz, you know, played by Anne Hathaway. Of course. I of course. Yep. And you know, she she's kind of a fish out of water, so Naturally. he has to use his he has to use his espionage stealth and world-saving powers and convert them into ways to win over her heart while also uncovering a secret plan to kill off Queen Elizabeth with a poisoned biscuit. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Yes. Man, uh, Mike, I... I love, I mean, I think you nailed the casting, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I, lo- I love that you didn't make this a modern movie. You're, you're, you know, you're casting it, you know, <laughs> you know, nineties, early two thousands, you know, I think, I think Anne Hathaway has kind of moved away from those kind of roles. So I love to see her like, you know, in her just beginning out princess diary days right there. And then, you know, Pierce Brosnan is just. You know, people think of him as, you know, the dad and Mamma Mia and, you know, he's kind of like, he's gotten a little older, but, you know, nobody is as suave, as clean cut, as British as Pierce Brosnan is in, the, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. Mike, I I think if we get the right writers on this, this is going to be a 10, Mike. This is, right. you know, this is, this is going to be great. And, you know, the only thing I can think of maybe you know, putting this over the top is if you, you know, you get a really good kind of like a, a foil uh, for, uh, you know, Pierce Brosnan, you know, it's somebody, you know, that's a little bit laid back, someone that's a little cool, someone that's go with the flow, surfer vibes, you know, give me 90s Keanu Reeves. <laughs> And I think that this is, you know, we got a blockbuster on our hands. He plays Agent Wingman. Exactly, exactly. I I love this movie, and I can't wait to see the gadgets. Yes, you know, because it's it, you know, they're not going to be necessarily deadly ones, but you know, I want to see a tube of lipstick that always like (laughs) just perfectly, you know, applies itself. Yeah. Or uh, a gun that shoots fresh, fresh breath spray. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, Adam, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tell me about this crossover movie. It's yes. very ambitious. Called Dolphins Are Forever. Um, Mike, uh, Dolphins Are Forever. Uh, you've heard of you know Free Willy. You've heard of <laughs> of Finding Nemo. You know, and, you know, those are, you know, family-friendly affairs. Dolphins Are Forever is not that. It's, it's, (laughs) (laughs) this, this movie, 
this <laughs> this movie, you know, it's you know, it it's the classic tale. You've seen it time and time again. You know, you've seen Taken. You've seen Finding Nemo. Um, and, um, you know, you've seen, you know, all these movies and imagine that, but it's with dolphins, right? So, um, you know, Willem Dafoe plays the, the main character dolphin whose (laughs) wife gets, (laughs) who gets, (laughs) who gets caught in a, um, <laughs> a tuna a tu- net. A tuna net. <laughs> and, you know, Willem Dafoe has to hunt down the Scandinavian fisherman that caught his wife and bring him to justice. And, you know, this is a no holds bar. You know, this is, you know, girl with a dragon tattoo. This is, you know, sucker punch. This is, you know, this is no holds bar. You know, uh, yeah, this this movie, you, leave the kids at home, and uh, you know the it it's gonna be tragically romantic. You know, told through some you know flashback cutscenes of you know Willem Dafoe and his dolphin wife, like you know <laughs> frolicking in the Miami Keys and what have you. You know, then juxtaposed <laughs> to like. You know, Willem Dafoe fighting off fishermen and getting stabbed with like a fishing hook. Mm, I love it. I especially dolphin. love when the dolphin William Dafoe is uh, on dry land going through a warehouse, <laughs> like gunning people down with a yeah an automatic rifle while explosions yeah. happen in the background. Oh, absolutely. Um, have you seen the movie The Transporter? Yes. <laughs> you know that scene where he like dumps himself with oil. Yes. <laughs> it's it's like that, except Willem Dafoe douses himself with, like, that fancy albacore tuna oil. Yes. <laughs> and some mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Mm. Excellent, Dolphins excellent. Are Dolphins are forever. Solid 9.5 out of 10. You know, yeah, this I can... is... Most the of the money we're going to be making is from kids thinking it's Pixar films. I mean, that's how the Chucky movie made bank. Exactly, exactly. So I think we're you're on the right line of work. Thank you, thank you. Um, let's see, uh, Mike. I I don't know how many more how many more you want, but uh, Mike, I I need to know. I have to know what Love Anciently is all about. So, many people, when talking about the New Testament, want to focus on Jesus. Yeah, makes sense. But, do we know about John the Baptist and his first date as a 13-year-old? <laughs> this is all about that one time when John the Baptist met Bathsheba Lawrence and tried to win her over. Um, puberty antics ensue. Lots of yeah. awkwardness. Yeah, I mean, has to. Um, yes, Jesus makes a cameo. <laughs> you know, he does a does a few things that uh, kind of really uh, inspire 
and you know he's kind of the he's kind of the guy who sets John the Baptist on the right path. But you know it's about teenager meets girl, goes through Jewish passages of life and growing up, and tries to win her over. But to kind of throw in a conflict so no one gets bored, John the Baptist is actually really poor. Right. And uh, Bathsheba Lawrence is Herod's daughter. <laughs> wow, what a plot twist. Yes. And I, I'm assuming you don't find that out until, like, the third act. Right, right. You're like, oh, your dad killed all those boys? Yep. Wow. And there's actually a scene where they're like he's he's holding flowers, kind of swinging his legs on the couch and talking to, you know, his dad. And he's like, oh, you know, Mr. Herod, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm I'm the king. And I've killed lots of people. Oh, you know, disc scratch. Right. Is is Kirk Cameron going to play Herod? Yes. Actually. We're we're between Kevin Sorbo, okay, and uh, you know Kirk, right? You know we're they're really just who's got more muscles? Who who looks the best gaining forty pounds? Maybe Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel's actually John the Baptist. <laughs> no, and that how makes... how we make him look thirteen is actually really really. Uh, it's it's a lot of CGI work. <laughs> we de-age him. <laughs> yes. He, he's uh, pretty much wearing a like a full green suit. <laughs> and we just put a whole new body over him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man. Is is um Bathsheba, is it also played by a de-aged uh canon Cameron Bure. <laughs> yes, yes, I mean, it has to. You know, we we got a lot of uh, a lot of worship singers who wanted the role. Yeah, but you know, Cameron Candice Burgess, she just kind of nailed it. No, hundred percent. And you know, there's going to be a cameo by Toby Mac because he's doing the soundtrack. Oh yeah, yeah. He plays that cool rapping rabbi. <laughs> oh my gosh, so many references. I hope you understand podcast. Just understand that this meant a lot more to me and Mike than it probably did to you guys. <laughs> right. Go back to 90s youth group and you will know. <laughs> oh man, that's that's incredible. I think we should end on that. What is my score? <laughs> You know, I wish I wish I didn't give um <laughs> the uh, the Pierce Brosnan one in ten because <laughs> that only will serve to cheapen <laughs> Love Anciently's ten, but if I could give it more, I would. Mm-hmm. Like that's you know, that's you know, that's our Ben Hur. That's you know, um I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. You name it. This is you know the the Citizen Kane. Yes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of citizens. Oh, with canes. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk about something that is relevant to President's Week, which we are celebrating right now. 
Yes. Timestamp, it's February the 20th. Yes. Eastern time, 1020. Uh, we are in the throes of the President Week. And I tasked Adam to come up with five fictional presidents. Yes. Or five uh, actors portraying a president. Yes. And I came up with my five, and we are going to tell you why these are the best presidents on the movie screen. Mm-hmm. And I and I also have some uh, interesting presidents that I wanted to talk to you about. Yes. And also one that I wish was still alive. Actually, two. There's two I wish were still alive. Fair enough. Is Meryl Streep still alive? Yeah. Okay, two. Just two. All Everybody, <laughs> I think the only one that I'm not sure about might be my first one, but we'll, we'll mm-hmm. see. All right. So, uh, when talking about the President of the United States, you can either play it incredibly goofy uh, or incredibly, like, professional, solemn. This is art. Classical American art. Um, and my first choice is Monsters vs. Aliens, President yes. Hathaway with Stephen yes. Colbert. Nice. He plays he plays Stephen Colbert in this, pretty much. You know, the wacky sci-fi, loving the quips and the puns and the silliness. Um, gives me hope that if we ever got Stephen Colbert as president, he would play it like President Hathaway. And my favorite quote is you know, he's talking about doing some code red operation to stop the aliens. And then the aliens do something. They say something like very threatening and tough. And he's like, Oh, time for code Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's what we're getting from me. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. <laughs> right. He, he's he's a shining spot in that movie. I can't remember anyone else's roles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve Colbert's got like a a pretty decent list of animated movies that he's voiced in, like Peabody and Mister Peabody and Sherman. It's pretty good. He plays the uh, I think he plays the dog, right? Um, sure. <laughs> But yeah, no, uh, no, definitely a, a highlight of that movie. Um, mm-hmm. Shall I go with uh, my my first? Yes. Well, I mean, to me, the 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 first you said, you know, you said presidents, you know, the I, I think the low hanging fruit here, and um, I think maybe we'll we'll, we'll talk about him maybe a little later maybe not i, I haven't seen your list totally oh but you know, the blowing fruit is like you know independence day like yes. you know whatever but my my first thought was peter sellers as merkin muffley in dr strange love um Ooh. and he he kind of plays this so the the whole point of this movie is it plays off kind of like the fears of you know the nuclear age and the Cuban Missile Crisis, and it's a it's a satire, and um, so the the movie is about uh, a president p- 
played by Peter Sellers, who's just a complete doofus, you know, and uh, he kind of bumbles his way through a nuclear crisis, and he perfectly portrays, you know, what it means to what it what bureaucracy looks like in action. And um, my my favorite line from uh, from him in this movie is, and you probably heard it, but it's gentlemen, gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's just it's it's a classic. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. But yeah, I, I feel like Peter Sellers is like the he, he he kind of nails this kind of bumbling oaf, and he perfectly you know kind of sets up president as a parody and yeah he's 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 great and uh the movie is really great um it's you know what i think stanley kubrick um wrote and directed it um but yeah it's, it's it's good it's a good one give it a watch yeah that's also where we get that iconic scene of a cowboy riding yeah. a nuclear bomb Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I learned about that from The Simpsons. <laughs> when, when Homer's asked not to do that scene on that live nuclear bomb. <laughs> Classic. Hmm. That's a good one. Yes, and I, I think everyone has Doctor Strangelove in their top 100 movies of all time. Yeah, right? Right, I mean it's, I mean it's a classic for it's a classic for a, a reason, and you know it's it, it it takes one heck of a movie to kind of toe the line of, you know, comedy, but also like oh this is like real, <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah, it definitely kind of holds up a mirror to that kind of Cold War age panic. Yes. Okay. Speaking wow. of comedies, what a <laughs> your next one is incredible. All right, first of all, any movie that has this actor in it gets yeah. a must-watch from me before I've even seen the movie. Oh, I mean, he's yeah. incredible. I love Terry Crews. Yes. And in Idiocracy, a movie that has great lines and acting already from like Luke Wilson and Maya Rudolph. But when he comes onto the scene as president Camacho, um, it, it just, it shines, it shines brilliantly. Uh, president Camacho is the three time SmackDown wrestling champion. <laughs> um, he wins arguments against him by firing an uh, automatic rifle. Um, his, the presidential, Gosh, with you know when they're doing the parade to celebrate something, he's riding a motorcycle. <laughs> now, if, if you don't know anything about Idiocracy, it's about um, like a thousand years later or a hundred years later. I can't remember that. You know the the, the like the theory that you know, people with lower IQs are more likely to make babies than people with higher IQs. So. By the time the world ages a thousand years, we're all idiots. And, you know, we can get like total meatheads that are pro wrestlers. 
And what I love about it is President Camacho like runs the White House like Vince McMahon would run WWE. Hundred percent. Everybody gets like title belts or like big necklaces uh, saying what part of the cabinet they're in. Um, you know, everything is one with fights and shooting, and you know, the the White House is just like this big macho house. And it's what you expect from a world where, like, Gatorade replaces water. <laughs> so uh, I love Terry Crews and, as President Camacho, and I think he does a wonderful job. And I hand the mic off to you. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, has, he has my vote. Um, my next one, oh, man, I, this is one of my favorite movie quotes i i i I quote harrison ford in air force one constantly um so to 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 give you uh you know a premise of this movie harrison ford plays uh president james marshall and uh he's uh in the movie he's a vietnam war veteran he has a medal of honor and uh, he's in Russia for some kind of peace talks or whatever. And on his way back to America on Air Force One, Gary Oldman plays a Russian terrorist and they take over Air Force One. And, you know, Harrison Ford, you know, does his best John McClane impression and he kind of takes out the terrorists and he takes everybody out and it kind of culminates in the scene where he's you know, in front of Gary Ullman. He's got him dead to rights, and he says, get off my plane! And, like, kind of pushes him out of Air Force One to his death. And I, you know, that's my president, you know? I <laughs> Harrison Ford, Air Force One, do yourself a favor if you love, you know, action movies. It's, you know, it's a quintessential 90s action movie. Don't think too much about it. Uh, it's, you know, it's worth it for the one line. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't hype this movie up enough. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, that's an iconic role. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, like, hands down, when people are going to read the title of this podcast, they're going to be like, <laughs> man, it's Harrison. It's yeah. Harrison it, Ford. It has to be, right? Like, he's... Yeah. It's it's just so it's just so perfect because it's like you know Gary Oldman is like delivers this you know weird monologue and then they kind of fight and then you know Harrison Ford just you know opens up his parachute and just throws him out of Air Force One right <laughs> and it's it's uh, it's so perfect wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I remember so, seeing that movie in college and just mm. being like, this is awesome. I need to watch more political movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a real it's real drama. Yes. <laughs> so um the only actor I love more than Terry Crews, mm. God rest his soul, not Terry Crews's soul, but this actor's soul is Leslie Nielsen, and he yes. plays President Harris in Scary Movie 3. And 
the scary movie three is you know it's a scary movie parody and you know those are cringeworthy but leslie nielsen was the right pick as president for this movie he is well first of all if you know anything about leslie nielsen he plays kind of like this bumbling idiot who who kind of uh runs into things head first and you know chaos ensues around him but he kind of plays it off as stupid mm. well you know he goes full force with his quips and you know one-liners uh playing the president in a scary movie three parody that parodies the ring pretty much right um some of his quotes involve okay president harris says get me the president uh, john, <laughs> john wilson says you are the president Good, then I already know about this. Let's order lunch. <laughs> or he says, you think you're excited. You should feel my nipples. <laughs> he says stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, Leslie Nielsen is just, he's just a genius. Like, he is. His, his timing and delivery are unmatched. Mm-hmm. Uh, another great line is, sir, I think you should go on TV and tell everyone there's no such thing as UFOs. Don't spell it in front of me, darn it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's just wonderful stuff like that. Uh, (laughs) You know, he's just, he's, and you know, Leslie Nielsen, he's like that in real life. You know, he pulls pranks on people at whatever hotel he's at. Yeah. Yeah, I... (laughs) Yeah, he, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, he doesn't appear on, you know, talk shows too often, but whenever he does, it's just, he's got the whole studio audience just in the palm of his hands, just got, he, I don't know, he just has a way of just captivating you, and it's, he's, he, he's must, he's must watch. Yes. And before he did comedy, he did, like, these horror movies where he played, like, a serious villain. And, like, they just did not translate well compared to just the parody. Yeah, he... Yeah, he he's... He's one of a kind. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so my next one... <laughs> my... <laughs> My next one is, uh, it's a little meta, a little meta. (laughs) But Mike, have you heard of 1996, the 1996 movie First Kid starring, Mm. (laughs) starring Sinbad? In the recesses of my brain, like that, (laughs) there's like a glimmer of this memory. Well, imagine the pacifier, um, but it's uh, a Secret Service agent played by Sinbad, and uh, you know the kid. Uh, the the kid is the son of the president, and um, <laughs> the the actor <laughs> that I'm picking isn't actually the actor that plays the president in. The movie, but so the president in the movie is played by uh, a fictional, a fictional person. Uh, his name is uh, Paul Davenport. Um, but 
played by uh I don't I don't know who it's played by. Um but they <laughs> there's a a quick cameo where this fictional president calls real live acting president Bill Clinton on a video phone and yeah. <laughs> he canonically exists in this movie as Bill Clinton and as a president, like a former president giving him advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I couldn't resist sitting acting president Bill Clinton in 1996 having a cameo as himself as a former president of a movie <laughs> that takes place in 1996. <laughs> wow. It's like time eating itself. I know. It's it's very strange. And it's also the first and only time a seated, like a, a, a you know, a, an active U.S. president has appeared in a movie. Yeah. You know, you have your Donald Trumps, you know, famously lost in New York. Um, you know, you yeah. have Ronald Reagan, whose career was, you know, as a, you know, U.S. president. And, you know, Obama has appeared in documentaries and things like that, but but never while they were president. And right. it's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's very Bill Clinton. Yeah. And how do you get permission to do that, like, right? Was Clinton like, "Oh, it's Sinbad," you know? <laughs> That's the cream of the crop, right there. I gotta be <laughs> right. in this movie. I, I have to be in this movie, right? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> like, doesn't the leader of the free world have something better to do than appear in a Disney movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, mm. Les Leslie Nielsen. You know, might be uh, you know in a a comedy presidential role, and Terry Crews, you know, is in a comedy presidential role. But Bill Clinton is the real comedian here, and <laughs> it's it's real life. <laughs> yes, he he's so meta. You know, <laughs> we're playing comedy checkers. He's playing comedy chess. Exactly, exactly. Yes. It's next level. So, my pick is a guy that I'm surprised isn't always the president in every movie. And <laughs> I had to I had to wait till see it on in Mars Attack to actually see how good of a president he would be. But it's Jack Nicholson, the first Joker, uh, President James Dale. Now Mars Attack, with all respect and honor to Aston who says that uh, Love Actually is a star-studded film. I think Mars Attack is two times the stars. Um, even though that movie did was critically panned as, you know, too goofy, um, I think Jack Nicholson playing this very solemn, very professional, you know, keep-a-cool-head-be-diplomatic president um, I think he does an excellent job, even though he has just like a small role in this movie about Martians attacking the Earth. <laughs> um, but there's this one scene that like makes it for him. Like I don't, 
I don't know why this didn't win the Oscar, but you know the the Martian, the head Martian, meets up with President Dale, and President Dale gives this speech. He says, "Why are you doing this? Why isn't the universe big enough for both of us? What is wrong with you people? We could work together. Why be enemies? Because we're different? Is that why? Think of the things we could do. Think how strong we would be. Earth and Mars together." There's nothing we could not accomplish. Think about it. Think about it. Why destroy when you can create? We can have it all, We can, or we can smash it all. Why can't we work out our differences? Why can't we work things out? Little people, why can't we all just get along? And then, you know, the, the Martian shoots like a, his hand on him, and the, the hand stabs him and turns into a Martian flag. But, you know, he, 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 like, he embodies what we think, like, a fictional president should be. He, he was always the right age to be, like, an American president and always had that, that tone in his voice. Yeah, and, you know, Nicholson always just has, he, he just has it, right? Like, whenever he's on... Uh, you know, whenever he's on the screen, he he just has that je ne sais quoi, right? Like he just mm-hmm. always he always delivers. Yeah, he's got that gravelly voice, and man, do we love it! <laughs> Amen. Okay, All right, Adam, tell okay, me about so- this movie I've never seen. <laughs> well, this is uh, this is a more recent one. Um, Meryl Streep plays a, uh, the president, President Orleone, in, uh, the, the recent horror disaster comedy, Don't Look Up, uh, oh. and, uh, we have a lot of c- c- comedy presidents on here, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. Democracy um, is a joke. Democracy is a joke. Um, <laughs> but... You know, she, uh, uh, much like, you know, Peter Sellers and, uh, you know, Leslie Nielsen, she definitely plays the, um, she she just nails the, like, because, like, the whole purpose of the movie is that these two astronomers discover that there's an asteroid coming to destroy Earth, and they're trying to convince the U.S. government to do something about it. And the U.S. government just continues to not do anything because bureaucracy. Yeah. And, you know, the, the irony that that all comes in and just the, the, the way that people talk about and the way that she delivers her lines is just super iconic. Uh, I, have a, I have a couple of quotes. Uh, <laughs> some of these are... <laughs> um, this one's from Jason Orleone. I think that's her husband. Um, or no, her. I don't. I forgot their relationship. Uh, but it's played by Jonah Hill. Wow. <laughs> and talking about her says, "I can't think of another president that would I would ever want to see in Playboy." Um. <laughs> um. Another quote directly from her specifically. Uh, let's see if I could find it. Hold on. Uh, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? 
Uh, there you are. You can't go around saying to people that there's a hundred percent chance that they're gonna die. Let's call it seventy <laughs> percent. Um, and it's just, it's just wild because it's like Meryl Streep playing right. this character, and you're just like, what, what is, what's happening here? And it's you know, it it really messes with your your head. And um, I, I think that's kind of the point, right? Like, in this total star-studded cast, it's like, who better to be the president than, you know, one of the greatest actresses of all time? Right. You know, I'm surprised it took them that long to, to do that. I mean, Gina Davis was president before her. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's funny. It's it's yeah, it's it's good and you know, I I I fully recommend all of these and um it's yeah, it's it's great. It's yeah, she she does a she does a great job. Uh I however um I I would not vote for I would not vote for her. <laughs> Yeah. Same. So, to top off my list, it's actually a serious president. Now, I actually had to watch this movie. It was called Primary Colors because I was part of an improv show where we had to do, we had to act like campaigning presidents. So... I made every, or I suggested we watch this movie to kind of get like an idea of how to act like a president. Um, and in this movie, John Travolta plays like a, para, a parallel dimension Bill Clinton. That's kind of how they're they're painting it. It's like it, without using anyone's real name, John Travolta is, you know, he's Bill Clinton. His in this, he's Senator Jack Stanton. Uh, but it's all about his campaign. And what I love about him is that, like, through his whole campaign, John Travolta is, like, just a liar. He makes up stories about fake uncles who survived war to get people to cry. Um, and he he tells all these inspirational stories, and he kind of sticks to his guns. And, like, yeah, he he's all about doing things, like without morals, like things you'd be like, oh yeah, that's like, I, like, I don't want to vote for a guy who does that. But like, at the same time, like you fall in love with his character. You like, you still think that he's like a good guy and that he's always trying to do the right thing. And they even throw in like a a scandal Mm. that, uh, that uh, his, his opponents throwing him about like a, a relationship he had in his marriage mm-hmm. and he's figuring out how to throw dirt on his opponent. And they're like, Oh, you know, this dirt we finally found is like going to like trash the opponent. It's going to ruin his life. You know, it's going to destroy his family. And like, without even thinking they're like, yeah, but who should, which newspaper should we send it to first? You know, that's the conversation. And they, and so like, it's it's such a weird dynamic that this guy is like he's using all these tricks to convince people he's a good president, but he's actually a good president. 
and he wants you to believe it. Yeah, and uh, you know John Travolta again. Your 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 last two picks, you just really you you went for the uh, you uh, you went with uh, two just iconic actors that just own the screen. And um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen Primary Colors, but um, I I can just imagine just John Travolta's just charisma coming through. Yeah, he he kind of he. He embodies like this person from the South. Like he's pretty much President Bill Clinton in his mannerisms. So it's it's a late '90s movie, and I think they did a really good job. Um, you know, even with all the the real scandals happening in at that time. Yeah, for for sure, for sure. Um, and um. Mike, shall I shall I go on to my my oh, yeah, last yeah. one? Put the final Mike, cherry on this Sunday. Let's do this, Mike. I <laughs> for my final one. This was you know on my list. I had I had three people that I knew for sure that I wanted to talk about. Number one was Peter Sellers and Doctor Strangelove. Number two was Harrison Ford, and number three. George Clooney <laughs> in Spy Kids 3D came over. <laughs> I, um, uh, he he plays President Devlin, um, who uh, he used to be in charge of OSS, which was like the group that's in charge of all the spies, and um, he literally just appears in the movie, I think, for like less than a minute. <laughs> And he just kind of like convinces, uh, he convinces the kids to come out of retirement to, to, to go save their parents. I think I can't even remember. Um, but you know, this is, um, this isn't necessarily a story about the character George Clooney plays and how great of a president he is or isn't. And this is more just a a story about my experience. Watching Spy Kids 3D and having no idea who George Clooney is, <laughs> and coming back and watching Spy Kids 3D as an adult, and be like, "That's George Clooney. Why is he <laughs> in a How thirty seconds? <laughs> right? Why is he in this thirty? And he's not even physically in the movie. Like he only appears like in." like this TV screen thing. And he's not physically there with the other actors. And that, I don't know, that's just, it's so funny to me. Um, and I even think that uh, you can't even tell who it is for one of them because they put one of those like black bar sensor things over his eyes. Man. Oh, man. And, like, I, I I think, you know, now becoming an adult and going back and watching, like, all those, like, kid movies that I loved growing up, but, like, Machete had no right to be in a kid's movie like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you, know, I, you know, I just love seeing all those cameos. Or, like, you know, when I saw, you know, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York... You know, I had no idea who Donald Trump was. I just thought he was just some rich guy 
that, you know, was getting in the way of Kevin McAllister getting his pizza and eating in his limo. Right. But, you know, looking back on that lens and being like, that man that gives him directions is a for <laughs> is going to be a future US president. <laughs> that you know, that's hilarious. Even and is the dad from the Little Rascals movie. Yeah. President Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. oh man. Yeah, wow. and it's it's just so it's just so random. Like why why George Clooney? Why it it I mean, he's handsome. I'll give him that. He looks and like president. He looks presidential and um yeah, and I, I, I have no other reason to, you know, say why or why not, you know, George Clooney is a good, you know, U.S. president, other than the fact that I think it's hilarious, and <laughs> you know what, it's my list, and I won't apologize for it. Right. Now, now I like to think, um, if your five people were in a cabinet... Yeah. And going against my five people in a cabinet. Yeah. Uh, you could choose a government run by Stephen Colbert, Terry Crews, Leslie Nielsen, Jack Nicholson, and John Travolta. Right. Or you can have a government run by Peter Sellers, Harrison Ford, Bill Clinton, Meryl Streep, and George Clooney. Mm-hmm. That would be tough. I don't. I think yeah. the world would be even more polarized over this. <laughs> you know what? I. 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 I genuinely. I genuinely, I mean, besides the fact that John Travolta is a Scientologist and (laughs) (laughs) Jack Nicholson has, like, a screw loose, I really do think that Stephen Colbert and uh, Terry Crews and Leslie Nielsen are, like, genuinely, like, good, nice, you know, wonderful people, and Mm -hmm. I think they could do some real good, Um, you know... Well, well, my and even though mine actually <laughs> contains as a president, <laughs> president, I think your cabinet would do better than mine. <laughs> oh man, mine would uh, get way better memes. Yeah, I mean, could you just imagine Leslie Nielsen doing like the <laughs> State of the Union? <laughs> Surely you're not going to war with Iran. We are, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> Why are you all standing? You're not leaving, are you? <laughs> uh, so that is our list, but I did find a couple lists that I I found it interesting that these people played actors, and I also find it shocking that some of these aren't. These guys don't play more president. Um, actors. Uh, for example, we have Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, played by Benjamin Walker, who played like one of the most famous presidents in American history <laughs> as like a young vampire killer guy. Right, right. Yeah. You know, take that, Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> oh. And then Bill Murray played... Really <laughs> FDR in, high, that's, in the movie that's great. High Park. That's really funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I have a couple of people that I. I want to shout out to. Um. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I, you know, because this is a, a, a movie podcast, you know, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't, we, I didn't dare, uh, you know, uh, break, you know, break the, break the seal and go over to TV, but uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus playing in Veep, I think mm-hmm. that's a that's a great shout. I think she's uh, she's in, she's an incredible actor first and foremost, um, but I think she's great in that role. But I also love uh, I also love the people that have played um, the president in like multiple times, but in different roles. I just love the idea of being typecasted as just generic the president. Mm-hmm. Um. So, like, uh, Stanley Anderson plays the president in Armageddon and The Rock, <laughs> two right. very different movies. But he's just the president in both. Or, um, let's see. Uh, who else? Oh, uh, 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 where are you? Where are you? Humming and Han. Uh. Aaron Eckhart in uh, the Olympus has fallen in London has fallen series, uh, yep. which is super super funny. Uh, but Morgan Freeman he plays the president in the the copycat of that movie Olympus has fallen and Angel has fallen, but also the president in Deep Impact. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's just it it's just so funny and random like. Like why? <laughs> and you know, right. they play like totally different, you know, presidents, but like they just got typecasted as it and I I I think that's I think that's really great. Well yeah, Morgan Freeman just seems like he should be he should own a country in every movie he's in. Right. Yeah. And right. I, I'm so surprised that uh when you hear the name Morgan Freeman, you don't necessarily think about like amazing movies that blew away the Oscars. Right. Yet, ev- everybody who thinks of him knows him as like an amazing actor that like like you you hear his name on the billing and you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's going to be a good movie or at least part of it's going to be good." <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what how that how that happened. I mean, I I do think that he's been in some, you know, some really iconic movies that definitely got mm-hmm. Oscar attention, like, um, you know, Shawshank Redemption being, you know, yeah, at the top of the that list, you know, but seven. But other than that, like, I don't, I don't, I don't really. You're you're right. Like, I don't. Is he? And maybe this is. Invictus. Um, maybe this is a conversation for another time. But is is Morgan Freeman overrated? Overrated or yeah, like is he is he overrated? Like is he like I don't know. I I definitely feel like he's like Samuel L. Jackson. Like he hasn't been in any bad movies, right? Like he's like everything that he touches is gold, right? Samuel but, L. Jackson. I can't think of any that are horrible. Right, but then you know you think of Morgan Freeman, and you're like, okay, well he's <laughs> he's been in you know the bucket list and like 
<laughs> Evan yeah. Almighty and so you know. in, yeah, in two thousand and five, this straight to DVD movie called Edison came out, right. which had Morgan Freeman, Kevin Spacey, LL Cool J, Justin Timberlake, Dylan McDermott, John Hurd, Carrie Ells, uh, just to name a few. The movie right. like did that's, horrible. Like that's an all-star cast. Oh my it, gosh. It was cheesy as all get out. Like mm. like you can watch it on Freebie and I encourage you, but it's like it's some like no one lived up to their their fame. But like it's just and yet it has like this all-star cast. Right. Well, but you know, you think about it like you how many movies do you have to go down on his list before you hit like a stinker? With Morgan Freeman, it's like The Shawshank Redemption, fair enough. Seven, fair enough, good movie. Bruce Almighty, good movie. And then the the third movie or the fourth movie on Google is The Bucket List. <laughs> and then right. the next one is Going in Style. <laughs> like right. I, I don't know. I, I, like I don't. I don't want to cast aspersions on him because he's, you know, he's a very, you know, he's a very talented actor. But you know, he's, you know, he is he is he is he overrated? You're telling me the voice actor in Scooby Doo and Guess Who, the TV series, <laughs> um, is overrated. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like. Like if I were to, like if I were to come up to you and say, like, okay, who do you think is a has more not you know not better movies? Who do you think is a better actor talent wise, like Patrick Stewart or Morgan Freeman? Like you would people, I think people, if you ask somebody that, they would genuinely like think about that. But in actuality, like no, like of course Patrick Stewart is a better actor than Morgan Freeman. Like, it's not even close. Like, Patrick Stewart's, like, a way better actor. But, but like... I can see somehow, fights breaking out. But, like, somehow Morgan Freeman has, like, this, like, reputation. I Okay, maybe this is an episode for another time. But, like, you know, like, Patrick Stewart is one of the greatest actors of all time. It's true. And, like, but Morgan Freeman has, like, the same reputation. But I don't think he's, you know, of that same quality. Well, I think there's different strengths and weaknesses. Sure, sure, sure. Like, Morgan Freeman kills it as a narrator. Um, but he's so got does, that iconic voice that just so brings does, credibility so to any of his movie. But yeah, so Patrick, Patrick Stewart. I mean, Patrick Stewart has, like, classical education, the Shakespeare stuff. Sure. So you can't hold that against him. Right. Um, No, that's fair. In my mind, I can think of more plays that Patrick Stewart has been in that have been better than I can think of movies. Maybe because I'm stuck in Star Trek mode. But Yeah, but, like, some of those are really great, like Star Trek Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I mean, he's in Logan, Macbeth. Oh, I yeah. mean, even even like his like comedy roles, like Charlie's Angels, is that's still really he's still good in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I realize the can of worms we just opened. <laughs> yeah, but what a way to end. <laughs>
But, but, um, do you remember Tim Robbins being the president in Austin Powers? No. Me neither. And yet IMDb swears that he's the president in Tim. And I don't even think the president was in Austin Powers. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't remember that. I feel like I would remember that. Like he's, yeah, right. he's, he's like he's just memorable, right? And the other person I wanted to bring up was Lloyd Bridges, mm. um, who I think is he was in the he's the same character quality as Leslie Nielsen, right? He did the Hot Shots movies, right, right, um, and he plays he plays uh, President Tug. Um, in the Hot Shots movies, and he's just got some killer, killer comedy lines. Uh, like he'll go off on tangents, like about, you know, I remember when I was in Vietnam, and you know, I lost my lower intestine, and I had to remake it out of hemp. And and he just goes off on these like just these crazy things. And I, um, I don't know who who came first in the parody movies, but Lloyd Bridges and Leslie Nielsen. Both deceased, but they did amazing jobs in comedy. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's incredible. I uh, can I can I do one last honorable mention? This yes. one will be super quick. I have nothing. I have nothing to build on it. But I don't think that there is a father son duo quite like Dennis Quaid and Randy Quaid, both <laughs> playing the president in different movies. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else on the list. <laughs> Even Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen? Uh, Wait, Charlie Sheen's ever played president. Uh, maybe. I, <laughs> I mean, I'd believe it, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, those are the two. Yeah, yeah. the <laughs> honorable mentions. Anyways, let's let's land this Air Force One. Yes. You know, thank you for listening to Film Logic where you hear great opinions like <laughs> you know, the Beatles were overrated. <laughs> and and um yeah. I just want to shout out one more time about our wonderful online communities. Yes. We have the Retro Logic Discord, which is alive and active with great discussion. Man, those guys never stop talking. Um, we have the Campus 180 social discord, which is run by me, a friendly community for people who like geeky things and the occasional Bible study. And I'll have links for both of those, but we would be happy to have you. Um, everyone have a good night and join us in two weeks when Eston will come back to shame us for all the things we've said about him and his movies. Yes. Uh, but it's gonna be it's gonna be March, which means we might talk about famous leprechaun horror movies or movies involving the NCAA basketball tournament. It could go either way, folks. <laughs> yes. Maybe both at the same time. Maybe. Maybe. That's gonna be an interesting episode. For sure. They always Anyways, thank you for listening. Yes, and please don't cancel me for my <laughs> Take on Morgan Freeman. Morgan, we love you. Yeah, come on our <laughs> podcast. Straight yes. in. We'll, we'll squash the beef. Right, right. All <laughs> right. Bye-bye. We'll see you.